the wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. Today we're covering chapters 42 through 46 of The Eye of the World. This is our penultimate podcast for The Eye of the World. Oh, that's alliteration. Are you saying it's the last podcast? I'm saying it's our second to last (laughs) podcast. Because that's what penultimate means. (laughs) Oh, and first, I would like to do a shout out to uh, Abe, who has decided to start rereading books and he's been reading along with us. Oh, and nice. yeah, I, yeah, he said he's been really enjoying it. So Heck thanks, yeah, yeah. Abe, for listening. Yeah, glad yeah. to have you with us, Abe. Yeah. Previously, Maureen and Lanive, that's my new name for <laughs> the couple, <laughs> Lan and Nynaeve. Lanive. Nylan? I was thinking Nylan. Nylan? Yeah. Oh. Sounds like a. Nylan, Lanive. Sinus medicine. Send, uh, send <laughs> us an email and vote. <laughs> send us an email and vote. Are you t- team Lanive or Nylan? <laughs> So either way, Moiraine and Nylan slash Laniv call down motherfucking lightning on some motherfucking white cloaks. It's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. They rescue Perrin and Egwene, and they make for Camelin. Uh Rand tries to get a look at the false dragon Loghain, and he just manages to fumble his way into a, a royal audience with the Queen Morghese and her whole entourage. Uh, Elida, which is Morghese's... Mor- Mor- I gotta keep these names straight. Moraine Morghese. Uh, Elida, which is Morghese's pet Aes Sedai, just... Really starts hating Rand for no apparent reason and tries to get him some dungeon time. But Morghese is like, nah, he's cool. So back at the end, the super friends are finally reunited. Oh yeah, and also <laughs> Matt's dagger is the seed of Shadow Logoth, whose corruption has been set free and could now lead to the end of the world as we know it. So that's cool. What a twist. Sure. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. That's it. So, uh, that starts us uh, with chapter 42, Remembrance of Dreams. Uh, and the icon is Two Ravens. Uh, and the ravens mean what? Like dark friends or something evil? Uh, yeah, I mean, dark, they, sometimes they mean ravens. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but in this particular case, I think they just mean like the presence of evil. I'm sorry, this sounds like a Nicholas Sparks novel to me. Remembrance of Dreams. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Soon to be a movie starring Ryan Gosling. <laughs> uh, probably a pretty good movie, right? I'd watch it. I had the Notebook was all right, I thought. <laughs> I have not seen the notebook. I wouldn't oh. recommend it. It's gonna like make you cry your fucking eyes out. So out of out of the two dudes and the one woman here, the two dudes have seen the notebook. All right. What of it? <laughs> hey, whatever. Yeah. So they uh, all of our our super friends, our our heroes. Do we have a Do they have a name for their party? We should. We have to come up with a name for them because like super friends was just a placeholder, really. But I mean, like they call themselves like the the two rivers folk or the Emmons Fielders. Yeah, I was Kinda thinking like, Emmons Fielders. Yeah. But, the, uh, but the only, like, a few of them are from Emmonsfield at this point, right? I mean, well, that's not true. I guess Moiraine, Lan, and Loyal are the non-Emmonsfielders. Yeah. And maybe one other. Oh! oh. <laughs> because it's not about where you're raised or who your family is. It's all about your bloodline. That's right. That's all that matters. <laughs> <clears throat> so they all meet up in the library uh, after all this... Wait, wait. Well, so so Matt basically. Did the, was, wait, the, I'm sorry, I don't remember. Then the Matt. Did she heal Matt yet? No, no. So at this point, what's happened is. Does he come in now? Matt is. They're they're not there. Like Moraine and Matt are like. Okay, okay, that's what I was confused. Like about. they're locked in the room together, and we don't know. Dot dot dot. Yeah, I think Lance there too, holding the dagger away from Moraine's face. Like <laughs> just no the big whole deal. time. Yeah, <laughs> like whatever. Uh, so yeah, they meet up in the library, uh, and they all meet Loyal. 
And Rand's like, oh, it's no big deal. He's just my Ogier friend. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. What did you guys do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. You guys have never seen an Ogier before. That's cool. Right. Well, this is my friend who's an Ogier. And they're all kind of depressed because of the bad stuff that's happening to Matt, who they still like, uh, for reasons that have not yet been established in the books. And uh, Perrin is acting, in particular, kind of, like, weird. Because he, he acts really weird throughout this whole set of chapters. Mm, kind like, of squirrely or perhaps wolfy. <laughs> yeah, wolfish. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, there's something up with his eyes. He won't meet anybody's gaze, and he, he doesn't seem scared anymore. He just seems like resigned. Yeah, that's the word they use over and over again. Perrin just seems resigned about how he's. And, and you know, I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but he's got wolf powers, man. That's awesome. I know that's pretty cool. He needs to get over it and to start like living it up as his like half wolf. Whatever. I couldn't tell if he's actually resigned or if he's just like a badass wolf dude now. Well, there's there's and a... so Rand was misinterpreting his coolness as him being detached. Maybe that, which is, by the way, just cracks me up the entire time. It, it's not even that funny, but the way that there are Matt and excuse me, the way Rand and Perrin are always like, man, Perrin totally knows how to deal with girls. <laughs> man, Rand totally would know what to say. He's so good with girls. <laughs> yeah. But there's a point where they're talking <clears throat> about where Moraine is pretty much telling them earlier on in the chapter. They're they're talking about they've been having these really creepy dreams, and Moraine is saying things are really dangerous. But she says you can hang out with you can stay around me. That'll help protect you. Uh, but you need to learn how to defend yourself. You must find the strength and will within yourself. I cannot give it to you. And then Perrin says, "I think I've already found my protection." Sounding resigned rather than happy. Yes, Moraine said, I suppose you have. Mm-hmm. So these wolf powers seem pretty great. Right. I mean, they're, he knows they're, they're just his what protection. He needs right now. Yeah. Protecting his dreams, letting him see in the dark. Yeah, it sounds pretty awesome to me. Right. Yeah. So anyway, they're, yeah, uh, before that happens, Matt, they're all in the, the library and Matt comes in and Moraine has sort of healed him. Yeah. Like he's back. He's his old Matt self. Uh, he's not this really mean jerk that he's been for a while. Uh, but Moraine says, basically, he's. He's fixed, sort of, but not permanently. Yeah, he has she, to go get some real fixing. But she, like, not. cleansed him of the taint, but the dagger is still, like, yeah. a problem. And, and she he, locked it away. And he still has the dagger, the evil dagger from Shatter Logoth, and he's still kind of obsessed with it. And every available moment, he's, like, got his hand under his cloak. And he's not jerking it. He's just touching <laughs> the dagger. <laughs> he's just hand he, on his ruby-hilted dagger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He surreptitiously <laughs> puts his hand within his cloak and starts moving his hand around. <laughs> like, no, no, it's just touching his dagger. Oh, he's like that character in Sons of Anarchy. He's always jerking it. That's right. That's Matt now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what we're going to find out, is that Maureen actually did take the dagger away from it, and Matt's just been jerking it. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. But yeah, so so Matt's Matt's uh, not cured, but he's right. temporarily healed. And, and Maureen says, basically, you have to go to Tarvalon to get this taken care of. I can't do it. Yeah. And uh, one thing I wanted to notice, because they, they, Rand just tossed this off like in his thoughts as a side thing, is that it's safe to talk in the library, because basically no one can read. Which I thought was a weird thing to say, because everyone we've met so far can read. Well, they're all Emmons Fielders, and Emmons Fielders are better than normal people, right? Is that it? I, yeah. I mean, it, Rand is literally a sheep herder, right? Who lives on a farm that is even far away from the tiny little town that he's technically from, which is even far away from everything, you know? True. Yeah, that's a good point. Do they but even have read. schools in this world? They never mention a school. we've seen. <laughs> so, uh, Moraine comes in, and, and uh, Loyal ends up telling her a story that about... Uh, a guy that came to one of the setting and said the Dark One wants to blind the eye of the world, uh, which I think Perrin also told her that story because he heard it from the Tinkers. Yeah, the Tinkers heard it from the Isle who yeah. heard it from... Or the Isle, yeah. The Isle told the Tinkers who told 
uh, Perrin and and Igwein. Yes, and what was the what's the oh, name? Elias? Elias, thank you. Yeah, <clears throat> and then because of this story matches up, Perrin, Matt, and Rand finally tell Moraine about their crazy devil dreams. Yeah, At this finally. point, it's like they've been having dreams for like weeks now, right? Yeah, maybe months. I don't know. Passage of time in this book is a little tricky, but but yeah, I mean like. They probably should have told her, you know, yeah, at any point previously. From, I guess they didn't trust her, and they're like, I don't know, I want to hear what the devil has to say. You know? <laughs> yeah. By the way, I mean, like, you know, he's still making pretty sweet offers. He's like, you could be lords, and they're like, nah. Yeah, I mean, but we saw what happened to their last, their, the people that worked for them before. That's true, I guess. They, they get, did. like, burned to death and then sent to hell. It's not great. <laughs> That's a good point, I guess. I guess the, the incentive packages. Yeah, you know, a shitty little... retirement package. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But they, yeah, so they mentioned that. They, that, that same story that, like, you know, the tinkers say Balsamon wants to blind the eye of the world and, and destroy the Wheel of Time. The the guy who came to the setting says that, and Balsamon himself said that, that he wanted to blind the eye of the world to all three of them. Uh, so they're starting to put two and two together that this is like a hint for what they need to do next in the plot. <laughs> Wait, maybe this is maybe this is the plot hook, guys? <laughs> maybe this is like yeah. a... Must- <laughs> Maureen, st- yeah, Maureen picks up on all this and basically changes her plans because she was this whole time she'd been taking these guys to Tarvalon, uh, and she, but she says there's a web of destiny forming. There's a web of destiny forming, which is a in, in all in caps, right? Is a is an official term for things that happen when the wheel of time weaves as it wills. Uh, they're Taveran, and so they're, the wheel of time is using them to weave a web of destiny, which I guess just means like a big change uh, in society. Yeah, I mean, it, I get the feeling that this is like, you know, they talk about the ends of ages and like big societal shifts, yeah. and it seems like the web of destiny has to do with that. It's like this is the yeah. the changing of an age kind and of deal. Land mentioned that they're they're part of a lace of ages, okay. <laughs> right? Exactly, which is so. I guess that's that's dainty. related to it. It's very dainty. An yeah. embroidery of years, <laughs> a tatting of time. <laughs> <laughs> it feels very fatalistic the, to me. Uh, destiny doily. Yeah, nice <laughs> doily destiny. That's yeah. good. What I think is interesting yeah. is, is Maureen, Maureen doesn't actually seem to have a plan. She's just like, uh, okay, this is bad. Let's just throw our Taveran into the engine and see what happens. Yeah, I think, I think what we're finding out is that she doesn't know as much as she let on. She knows they're really important, but she doesn't necessarily know. Well, she may know why, but she doesn't know what's going to happen. Right. She knows basically grab them so that the Dark One can't. Uh, and now that she hears this story and, and she decides, well, we've got to go to the Eye of the World. Which uh, is pretty far away. It's a problem. Yeah, it's, it's like, in the blight. Which is, if you look at the map, it appears periodically, it's like the whole other side of the world, basically, right? Mm-hmm. From where they are. Yeah, it's on the other side of Tarvalon from where they are. Right. I have to say, I'm finding it a little frustrating, because it seems like over and over and over again, these characters are just constantly keeping secrets from each other. And we, as the readers, are not learning what it is, secrets necessarily, that they're keeping. But there's mm-hmm. so many question marks and so many unknowns. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's I don't know if there's a good reason why they're not just having a conversation with each other. Yeah. Dramatic effect. Yeah, maybe dramatic effect. I know a lot of people have told me about these books is that they're it's a wall of information uh, when you're first reading them for the first time. That it's really hard to keep up with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And adding all that stuff might have made it worse. Yeah, it's true. Like keeping keeping track of there's what how many characters are in this room eight or something yeah, yeah. keeping track of who they all are and what what they want and what they're doing why they're doing it may have been simpler just to say it's really important <laughs> don't worry about <laughs> it guys we got to do this don't worry about it <laughs> yeah but the only way they're going to be able to get to the eye of the world is by 
traveling yes, away. There's got to be a way. Uh, Moraine, I noticed that in this meeting, they, they talk about what the Dark One said to them. And the Dark One said, you know, the Tarvalon is going to use you like all these other false dragons for their own purposes. And they say, like, they say that to Moraine. The Dark One said that you guys will use us like false dragons. And she doesn't deny it. Yeah. She, mm-hmm. she just which, says, don't believe the Dark One. Which is interesting, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, she doesn't want them to think that. And we know that she can't lie. So the fact that she does not write deny it is awfully suspicious. But what do you think that means? I mean, like, how how are they using the false dragons? What what ends can a false dragon serve the Aes Sedai? Because, I mean, we know that they're, they essentially go crazy, right? That's what everyone knows. Yeah, but they, they do... Remember all those people that were coming to see the false dragon and all the people we heard about... Uh, the Loghain, all the people that were going to like serve Loghain or to fight Loghain, it's the kind of thing that you would do if you wanted to say take down a country. Is you might you, you might get together a false dragon as, and his army to like destabilize a country. Uh, maybe. Yeah, that's true. They're they're very manipulative, right? They play the Game of Thrones, which is a term I just made up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never I, heard it. I feel like if you you're playing the great Game of Thrones, you win or you die or something. <laughs> uh, and the other important thing that comes out in this conversation is that Loyal says they're all Taver. All three of them, not just Rand. Right. So, and that's that's weird. Like that's unusual. A Taveran is really rare, and three at the same time is kind of like end of the world type things. Yeah, a taver, It's like a Taveran appears once every couple hundred years. I think is something he says previously. So that's why he's so excited to hang out with Rand. He's like, ooh, you know, this is something that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, there's three of them. I suspect Moraine knows that. Like that's why why she's following them around because she knows they're Taveran. Though maybe that doesn't... I guess that term does mean something to her. She doesn't seem... Yeah, she, she would know what that was. Yeah. I know uh, that the, the builders or the, the OGR have their own kind of words and language and stuff. Yeah, well, it says, she said, it says that she only expected one. Yeah. Yeah. So she, from whatever info she got the center there, even she's not exactly sure what's going on. She doesn't know which one of them uh, is the one she's looking for. She doesn't know what's the, what is actually the plan. Right. Yeah, do we even so, know what it is she's looking for? We don't. Yeah. Not really. She yeah. hasn't said. She's been very cryptic about it. Just that the Dark One wants them and she wants to keep them from the Dark One. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, if you wanted to guess what she's looking for, it's in the name of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, anyway, she's, uh, she wants, they need to travel to... Faldara. To the, yeah, the Blight. And they're, they're going to travel to Faldara and they're going to do it really fast by using the ways. Which we we completely freaks out loyal. We've heard them talk about this before, or have we not? And yeah, remember that like one time, uh, I think she suggested, "Why don't uh, somebody?" I think Land like suggested to her, "We could use the ways," and she's like, "No way, no way, Jose." Yeah, that's too dangerous, but not too dangerous anymore. And loyal's like, "You can't do that. We'll all die." <laughs> yeah. End of chapter. <laughs> if we enter the ways, we will all die or be swallowed by the shadow. Yeah, which is not you know two ideal. different things. Being swallowed by the shadow, or all dying. I'm not sure which one is worse. Probably being swallowed by the shadow, because, you know, there are things worse than death. I don't want to die. Is this the same shadow that was in Shatter Logoth? It's a different shadow. Shadow slash fog slash miasma of evil? (laughs) Yeah, fog monster. I I think we'll find that there's just all kinds of shadows in this world. (laughs) It's very inconvenient. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah. So, chapter 43, Decisions and Apparitions. And the, the, the symbol is the dragon's fang. Sign of evil, dark friends, that kind of thing. So what do you think is the difference between the Dragon's Fang and the, the Ravens as far as, like, chapter delineations? Maybe the the Dragon's Fang is dark friends or men channeling, and the Ravens are dark ones, creatures and serpents. Yeah. Or 
Just ravens, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes just ravens. Yeah. So, uh, tells the story of the ways. Which I very fascinating. I love this. Bit of an info dump, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he gives us a lot, a lot more information that we haven't had yet about the breaking of the world. Uh, and the breaking of the world is what happened when all the, the men who could channel went crazy because of the Dark One's uh, poison that he put, on, put inside in. Uh, and they destroyed the world by, you know, causing earthquakes and firestorms and just reconfigured the, the map. But a few of them were able to hide out in the steadings where you can't channel. So they, they were protected from the taint. Yeah, that's a, that's interesting because we knew we already knew the steading prevented touching the the one power, but it hadn't occurred to me that that would be like protection for a male channeler to just like go live in a steading. Yeah, except he says they all leave eventually because they can't stand not having it. It's it's uh, it's interesting. I, like we don't know, I guess, much about what it is like to channel the one power, but it it does seem sort of addictive. I guess maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Once you pop, you can't stop. That's right. <laughs> But they, they, so these channelers that were hiding out in the steadings, they, they used their, their tainted power to build a series of really fast travel stations or travel paths between the steadings, the ways. The idea being that they could get from one setting to another without spending too much time out of them, right? Right, because the Ogier uh, hate leaving the steading. It's really bad for them. So this, this is really helpful to them to be able to travel between the steadings and to the, the cities that they were rebuilding at the end of the breaking of the world uh, very quickly. But because... Probably it was built the by by men using the tainted half of the the one power. The ways went evil, and they went evil in a really mysterious way. Uh, they turned black, and there there's something in there called the Machin Shin, the Black Wind, and it's so dangerous that no one ever goes in there. And you know people don't people go in there and not come out or come out all crazy uh, or shell shocked or something. Uh, but Moraine says we're going. That's what's happening. I kind of love that there are these. So in addition, it's not like it's all one evil thing. Like there's the Dark One and he's bad and all that. But then there's things like Shadar Logoth and like Machin Machin Shin. How are we? How do you, Machin Shin. Machin Shin. That that we don't know exactly why they're there. We don't know exactly what their motive. They don't. They don't seem to have motivations. They're just like these evil eldritch ultimate demon creatures that just kind of like eat whatever comes by their way, including yeah. other evil things. Yeah, they fight each other. Yeah. So it's like in this world. You can create evil, but you can never get rid of it. Yeah. And so you're just like, we're just never going to go to that city anymore because there's an evil thing there. I actually found it really sad because you keep thinking that there was this time when there was this almost like an age of enlightenment or something where we had these incredible cities and the (laughs) Ogier were doing all these incredible things and we had these magical ways of traveling and everything. And now everything is just shit. (laughs) Right. Yeah. In this world... It's uh, or this in this world that Robert Jordan is writing about, things get, get worse over time. Yeah, which is different from the real world. Things are always better in the past. Yeah, yeah. It's like things just start decaying. I guess as the wheel turns, things start getting shitty again, and then eventually it breaks, and yeah. there's a new age. Da da da. Yeah, so, that's a good point. I mean, if you think of it as uh, a, a cyclical kind of thing, then then that's inevitable, right? It, there's like a rise and fall, and rise. Yeah, and, and from our perspective. When we talk, when we talk about this, like the apocalypse or whatever, or the dark one breaking the world, breaking the wheel of time or something, that doesn't seem that bad necessarily to us because these people's lives suck so much. <laughs> it you already know. is kind of horrible, right? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> could, things could turn out better, but from their perspective, you know, they don't. I don't think they think in those terms. They don't. They don't think everything sucks now. Mm-hmm. It could be worse. So it could be the there's a worse. there's an interesting scene that happens here where uh, Moraine. It's like a Council of Elrond thing where Moraine actually gives them a choice. To uh, whether they're going to go on with this mission or not. Which I don't think she's really done yet. 
up till this point, she says, you have no choice, and, you know, if I lose you, I'll kill you before I let the, the Dark One have you. Mm-hmm. But she finally gives them a choice, and they all agree to go. Because they're all, you know, good-hearted Inland's fielders, right? And uh, so do Nynaeve and Egwene. Yeah, I have to say, this section, this penultimate section of the books that we read, <laughs> this was the most Lord of the Rings-ish to me. Like, it totally felt like they were going into the mines of Moria, and then later on, we find out that there's a golem, essentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Felt very Lord of the Ringsy, and the Ogier um, also definitely makes me think of, like, Treebeard. Yeah. And yeah. The, the Ogier, in particular, their, their long lifespans and yeah. the way they view humans as always rushing around and never mm-hmm. taking time for anything. They're very wise and very slow, and they're filled with lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I, I thought the same thing as I was reading this. It's like, this is a very fellowship moment, and Nunny's like, and my herbs, or whatever. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and she's, you know, she, she kind of Nynaeve's up a little bit, right? She starts, like, getting into a little, like, pissing contest with Moraine, and Moraine's just like, no, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not about that. You still and, need my herbs unless you suddenly gained some ability I don't know about. Her voice like, held a challenge Rand did not understand, but Moraine merrily nodded. <laughs> Moraine has just started ignoring everything. She's like, yes, yes, yeah. your herbs are okay, very nice. Okay, naive, yeah. 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 So they, they make a plan to, to take off, and in this, Master Gil is once again the MVP. Yeah, that guy's great. He, he gives them all the supplies, like in the middle of the night. Uh, he gives them horses, I think. He has a way for sneaking them out of the inn. And he doesn't charge them. He's like, yep, I'm just doing what I can for the Aes Sedai, even though I'm scared of Aes Sedai. Well, she, she's like, no, I have to pay you. Come on, dude. You know, like, mm-hmm. she, she, doesn't she doesn't she, like, I forget force who him won, to take money? But they're, yeah. they're like, they have a little battle of wills. That's right. I didn't think she, I don't know about the money, but she also removed the rats from the inn. So that's something. That's pretty good. Actually. Yeah. Uh, which is something I hadn't really considered, but like, they, more recently they've been talking about how there are rats everywhere. And I can't, like, what is that like? You're just like sitting in the inn and then, oh yeah, there's the rats in the corner or, you know, it's just like. I think so. Yeah. You just see rats all the time. Yeah. They're in the walls and they're chewing up shit. You can't get rid of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you have cats. Lots of cats. Yeah. So uh, there is a nice. Seemingly nice moment between Rand and Egwene where they kind of make up a little bit, but then she just gets all jealous of Elaine. She's like, who's Elaine? <laughs> I know. It's so, like, stupid high school-y, right? Oh. Yeah, he, he meets, like, one other woman, and she's like, what the hell? And then he's like, you know, the daughter heir of Andor. Meanwhile, like, Which let's, is not, true. let's not forget that she, like, just finished, like, making time with this traveler <laughs> boy, and she's not, like, you know, she's not... She doesn't think that's a problem, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a really weird moment. Uh, they're teenagers. That's all I could think. It's like, yeah, I agree. I agree. When I was reading this, I was like rolling my eyes. So it was like, fine. This is like high school, right? They're they're high schoolers. They're acting like high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But man, yeah. I, I, I nearly sprained my eyes rolling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then they, uh, before they leave, they have a dream. Oh, yeah. Another yay. devil dream. Okay. Oh, yeah. So Rand has this dream, and uh, he says a bunch of crap, but he says, basically, uh, I think, well, Moraine has told Rand, Matt, and Perrin they can deny the Dark One, right? Right. And Rand says, I deny you, and, and the Dark One's like, you always do. We've had this conversation so many times, over and over again, and you always deny me, and then sometimes you serve me, sometimes you fight me, sometimes you just die. That's And so I don't really care about what's going on, which is a real kind of... Like, he's got this perspective. He's got the perspective we have, like, outside this whole thing. You know, he sees the pattern. Which which is interesting. I mean, like, it's hard to compete with something like that, right? Like, like 
to the dark one, this is nothing. Like this has happened a thousand times and it'll happen a thousand more. So it doesn't really matter how it mm-hmm. goes to him, you know, though he seems to, I, I believe the dark one is implying that he's trying to break the pattern too, right? In a different way. Yeah. Uh, but Alzaman says that he's trying to stop the cycle somehow, which is, does he, does he always try and stop the cycle? If, if he's, if he remembers having this cycle over and over again, is he aware of this? Does he know that he's going to fail? Or is this, is this somehow different? Uh, well, there, there are three Tavarin, which maybe that's part of it, too. Maybe, maybe because I mean, he's aware that there's more than one, right? I mean, like, that's... I, I don't know if he... He hasn't said the word Tavarin. That's true. But he's been irritating at least Matt in his dreams. Yeah, well, he, here in this dream, he, he shows them, like, the three little figures, right? Little clay figures. Yeah. Like, one of them with a hair-marked sword, one of them with a ruby-hilted dagger, and one of them with a wolf. Mm-hmm. Right. So but the figures are unmarked. So yeah. he knows that all three of them are important. All three of them are important to him, too. Not yeah. just one of them. Right. Uh, but Rand, like, you know, he denies them. He smashes all the figures. He, he does his, like, little spooky trick, which is getting kind of old, where he gets hurt in the dream, and then he's actually hurt mm-hmm. when he wakes up. <gasps> what? <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, Matt tells him that he had the same dream, but he actually touched the figure with the dagger. So you're saying Matt made a bad decision? Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and just, like, put them all in danger again? <laughs> yeah. Come on, Matt. I mean, like, the Dark Ones got you, got these faces figures and are going to go pick it up and play with it? I mean, yeah, right. And, oh, there I am. It, I oh, thought it was me. creepy. He said, like, he could feel himself holding himself, like, feel his hand holding oh, his body. And when it became him, yeah. that's really creepy. That is creepy. But I guess the Dark One knows who Matt is. Now. Yeah. Nice but work, the, Matt. So they're waking up. It's time to go. And they tell they tell Maureen this when they come wake up. And she's like, yup. Yeah, that right. sucks. that's not good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Chapter forty-four: The Dark Along the Ways. And there's a leaf. Well, that's you said. That's the Avendasora. Avendasora leaf, I believe, which is a magic tree. That the tree of life, which they actually. I think oh yeah, the tree of life. Yeah. So important in some way that I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't know exactly what it is, but they do mention it in this chapter. So I mean, I guess it makes sense that it's there. Mm-hmm. It's a little little bit on the literal side, but you know. Sure. Yeah, so the, the party leaves the inn before dawn through a secret stable door, and they've been supplied with lamps and, like, stoves and stuff, and all the supplies they need by Master Gill. Well, okay, so what's, why does he have this giant secret door in his state? I like, assume he's up to some shady shit. Right? I mean, like, like, th- like a normal innkeeper doesn't have a door like this, and, it, like, he's got to be a smuggler or something? I mean, like, mm-hmm. is there, like, an underground rail- railroad we don't know about here? Maybe this thing where, like, somebody... On the run from Aes Sedai, comes to his inn like every month or something. Yeah, <laughs> so, he just gets him out that way. This one. is why he's so good at dealing with it. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling it's more of like a political thing here. He's part of the resistance against the the Red Aja or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. It does seem like politics are really complicated in this city, so that, that makes as much sense as anything. Yeah. yeah. But the stablemen know about the door, they, so everybody at the inn knows about the door. Yeah. Everyone who works there is like, oh yeah, that's our, our secret smuggler's yeah. entrance. And I, I wanted to point out, it's, it's time we bring up one of Robert Jordan's weird mannerisms, is that when they're leaving, they go through the kitchen and the, the cook gives a loud sniff to show her disapproval. Yeah. Because <sighs> every is, single woman sniffs in this What book. does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Put your nose up in the air while <sighs> disapproving. I've, I, I've never seen anybody do that in real life. I, ever. I can't even imagine it. I thought maybe she was snorting, like, but like, it didn't huh. say snort. No. no. Sniffing, it's a, it's, it's like, always a sign of disapproval. I guess because uh, 
the women you hang out with, instead of sniffing, will tell you why we're pissed off. And this is their way of kind of complaining about things. Or like there's a lot of muttering under your breath without directly confronting what you're pissed off about, is what I'm thinking. So you're familiar with the sniff thing? I, I mean, I don't know if I've ever actually done it. Have you ever seen anyone do it, like, in, in real life? Well, can you, can you imitate it? I, mean, I literally cannot picture what is happening when people sniff in this book. Uh, just, just like a, hmm, is what I'm thinking. That, that's what I, I took. And it's not a sniff. And I don't know why he says sniff. But what I, what I read was like a, huh. Because what my read on this little, this little exchange is that she thought that she was going to be having to make them breakfast because they came down early. She's like, I'm, make, I'm making those people breakfast. It's too early. Because mm-hmm. she's like, you know, in, in the morning, a mid-morning preparation. Yeah, it's like 4 a.m. or something, yeah. probably. But they're just getting started. She's like, I don't have anything for breakfast. And he's like, no, no, don't worry. They don't need breakfast. She's like, good. Hmm. Or she knows mm-hmm. that, because she's known him for so long, it's practically a marriage. She knows Master Gill's up to his political nonsense again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. He's always shuffling people out the secret door in the middle <laughs> Oh, great. Of the, night. the secret door again. Fine. <laughs> Makes you feel so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a weird, a weird little exchange, but like not weird for Robert Jordan. It's like yeah. every time there's a cook, this is what yeah. they do. Yeah, a sniff of disapproval. Yeah, it's a very passive-aggressive thing that yes. I feel like a lot of the women do. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So they get out into the... Pitch black streets, and they, they make their way through a bunch of different streets, and Loyal can sense where the way gate is that they're heading towards. Yeah, he just kind of like turns his head and li- like listens or smells. I don't remember. Yeah, something like, senses it. Is, yeah. In some way. Uh, and the way gate's in a, a basement just yeah. under some building, right? In Camelin. Yeah. Where the well, grove used to be. Somebody's like shop, so they just like magically break and enter. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a magic Or ancient pick locks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she still hasn't repeated any of her spells. Alohomora. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Like, I, I don't think she's done anything twice. Yeah. Which yeah. which supports our, our idea that she's like a wizard, basically. Like, she burns right. the spells she, she gets. She yeah. has to memorize it. So they go into the basement, uh, and Loyal is really upset about the grove being cut out, being chopped down for, you know, just a shop. Uh, but... Once again, super depressing. Everything used to be amazing and awesome, right, and now it's yeah. just shit. Used to be wonderful, now it sucks. Yeah, there yeah. used to be this like magical grove here, and they just plowed it down and put a shitty shop on top of right, it. Right, yeah. By the way, so the merchant built his shop on top of this like mystical portal. I, I get that they probably didn't know it was a magical portal, but like just like locked it in the basement and didn't care about it? I mean, like that's got to be worth something, The description right? is a little confusing, but I think one whole wall of the basement is just stone, and I think that... They just use that wall as part of their construction because there's like it's a stone wall. Yeah, but it's got like this this intricate like stone carving with like beautiful leaves that apparently is like so beautiful that it looks like it's real. It's like <laughs> oh look at this, and then yeah. just like well, locks the, it in the basement. The idea is it's so old that time has forgotten it. Everybody has forgotten about it. They don't yeah. realize that it's special anymore. Well, no, but I mean it's still valuable in that it's like a beautiful piece of like stonework that he's just locked it. I'd, I'd be like selling tickets, you know. I don't know. It makes me think of like ancient European cities, London and Rome and stuff like that, where every once in a while they'll be digging a parking garage or something and they'll find a amazing Roman mosaic or something like that. Yeah, that does know? happen. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Because the people that live there saw it every day and and during you know hard tar- harder times they're more interested in the stone than the work upon it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Like, it's, 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 it's a diff- difficult context for me to understand because... Nothing here is older than 200 years, you know? Yeah, and when it is, we freak out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful gate. Looks like amazing, like like real leaves. Moraine knows how to open it. I guess she's read in an old book or something. Yeah, she just kind of knows. I, I, I thought that was strange, too. She just, like, 
looks at it and it's like, you know, it's like a magical jigsaw puzzle, but she like, yeah. she knows how to put it together. Yeah, so here's a question. We have no idea how old Moraine is. We know she is, quote, sure. ageless. That's true. That's a very so, good point. That's interesting to me. I don't know anything we, about her. Yeah, we don't know. Well, I said I in general. We don't know what, we, we how they were. last name. Yeah, I said I. Are they immortal? Do they just have name, super right. long life? Like, what's up with that? Yeah, unspecified at this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we don't know. We don't know Moraine's last name. We know Lan's full name, though. Oh, oh mean, what is it again? All Land Mandragoran, last Lord of Malkir. That's right. Diadem Battlelord of the Malkir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. With his iron if you wanna, cord if you, wanna, if you guys want to hear about land, you're going to hear about land. <laughs> yeah, <podcast>. we are. <laughs> yeah, so the, the ways are creepy, right? It's like a black mirror. Uh, you, you open it up and it's like, this is... It, it's, I like this scene because Robert Jordan establishes this is a very mundane situation. They're in a, they're in a cellar. It's dusty. It's made of bricks. And then here's this obviously magical thing, like a magic black mirror, a portal into another world, just sort of in this person's basement mm-hmm. that they didn't know how to open because they never played with the leaves or something. Right. Well, it's not even evident that things move around because I think they mentioned that the leaf that, leaf that she picks up and then replaces looks as if it's just like always, like it didn't look like it was a removable piece, you know? Yeah. So they all go through uh, and it's... It's creepy going through the ways, I guess, because the time stream is is changing or something. Oh yeah, that was kind of fun because, like, yeah, you know, it, it's things move faster in the ways. Is that right? Yeah, that's how they go faster. So if you're in the ways and you look out, everybody's moving super slow. Right. But when they're in the ways, like they're they're in a bubble of light from their lanterns, and it's like the light doesn't work right. Yeah. Like they're in like they're in a cave. It's very oppressive. Like it's just a wall of light at the edge of the lantern thing. Right. Which seems horrible. You mm-hmm. know, so it's a nightmare. Yep. It really, really made me think of Moria from mm. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder if it's. I wonder if that's the intent. Yeah. And apparently, it used to be very different. Like I think Loyal mentions that they used to be like beautiful things used to grow there. It was like yeah, sunlight. Yeah. And grass. I yeah. find it incredibly disorienting too, and because Rand is talking about how it's disorienting, how there's when you're going through, it's like there's islands with bridges attached. To mm-hmm. get through, and he talks about at one point, it seems like they're going up and up and up and up and up, like one island is on top of another island. Yeah, right. So I think he does, I think Robert Jordan does a really nice job with atmosphere in this chapter mm-hmm. while they're going through. I was creeped out the whole time. I yeah. agree. It's, it's, it's definitely like an otherworldly geography that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Loyal navigates their way through it because he can read the uh, OGR guide stones that are around. And good thing he can, because they can't see anything. They're mm-hmm. just following these paths. And uh, they are they travel that way, kind of in pitch blackness for a while. Uh, and then they, the Rand notices that the stone is eroding, right? It's not even... They're, they're going on stone paths that seem to be, like, going through just infinite blackness. And there's pits in it and holes in it until they come to a broken end of one of the bridges. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, very upsetting. The bridge is out. Yeah, I mean, like that's they were kind of depending on him being right. able to get around this way. And you can you can see because he can see the other broken end of the bridge that there's nothing under it, right? No, or something he couldn't see before. Yeah, yeah there's a, islands are just suspended in air, basically, right? Yeah, right. They, they, they seem to be, although he can never see because because of the blackness. Who mm. knows what this, what these things actually look like? That's right. Although th- there's a, a cool moment where Rand asks what's behind the way gates, and and Loyal's like. Nobody knows. Don't go back there. You probably never come back. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> great. Great. Thanks. Cool. Good to know. So chapter 45, What Follows in Shadow. It's got a, another dragon's fang. Which, again, again, followers of the the Dark One or something. Yeah, right. Which Or just, just evil. Just darkness. 
Yes. Because I, I don't think there are any dark friends in here. Well, they're being followed by somebody. They don't know who, they don't know what, mm-hmm. but they are being followed. Yeah, so they're, they're looking at the broken end and of the bridge, and they decide to go back and find another path, because I guess it's, you know, it's not just one path to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed that in this, uh, I wrote in my notes, Perrin is very wolfy. Yes! That too. Perry's like, nothing to hunt. There's nothing to hunt in here. Yeah, it's a little on the nose. It's like, uh, okay, Perrin, we get it. Yeah, you're turning into a wolf. We Maybe it. it's like it's like the opposite. He's not actually ashamed of it. He's just like really into his new lifestyle choice and he's finding reasons to talk about it all the time <laughs> in that really annoying way people do sometimes. So maybe like the we, resigned we, look We're is... happy for you that you're a wolf, but we don't have to like talk about wolf stuff all the time. <laughs> so, like you're still like other things other than a wolf man. You know, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe that resigned look is just him being like, this is what a wolf looks like. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Wolf's his wolf face. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna go hang out with all the wolf parties, and he's like, be that super eager new wolf. Oh god, one of those. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we get it. We get it. So everybody's getting really freaked out now. Loyal keeps saying, "Why don't we just go to Tarvalon? It's right there, you know, or studying uh, Shanghai. Yeah, it's right his, there. His home. Know? Yeah, that's only one bridge away, but this other place is three bridges away. Uh, and I think they have a good reason to get freaked out. Yeah, this place is not not uh, this this place is pretty sinister. Mm-hmm. But we get some good news though. Moraine does not think that Tom Marilyn is dead because he was just. She thinks he's too in, too important a part of the wheel to be cut off yet, which right. made me very happy. I'm not sure quite why she thinks that, but you know, I said yeah. I stuff. But yeah. I loved Tom. Yeah. She, she also mentions that when she visited the town, they talked about something happening, but they didn't talk about a Gleeman dying, and she thinks yeah. they would if there was a dead Gleeman. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know. If I was going to be negative, I would say that's because Rand had his cloak and all his instruments. So he's just an old dead man. No, that's a good point. <laughs> There's something else, though, because they're camping at this point when she talks about this. Yeah, they actually camp in the ways with, like, and Lan has his, like, special warder stove that doesn't require any wood or anything. Because in the blight, if you burn wood, it could be deadly. <laughs> Come on, Lan. But no, okay, okay so every time they stop and camp, they do the same thing. They make tea. Why are they oh, making yeah. all this tea? It's vitally important. Yeah, tea, what, tea, tea. what do you think that's about? Like, it's like because Robert Jordan's an Anglophile, I think. You think so? Yeah. Okay. I think he's like an Anglophile and a Japanophile. I was gonna say yes. Like he's, I thought he was gonna say he's, an or, the, he's a little bit Oriental. One place those cultures intersect is tea. <clears throat> tea. Yeah. That's a good point. Later on, Lan recites a little bit of poetry for us, and it sounded very, very <laughs> Eastern. It, I had to, to me. I had to count the syllables because I swore it was a, a haiku. It wasn't. <laughs> But it was close. Maybe it's the haiku of this universe. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, like, there was, like, a pattern to it. But, like, that sounds like a damn haiku. Yeah. yeah. There's actually a lot of Japanese poetry that's not haikus. And it, sure. it sounds a lot like that. Even though, can I just say that this chapter has what I think is literally the cringiest scene in the entire novel. What's that? <laughs> it's when um, Perrin and Rand... And Egwene start talking about all these various people that they've met along the way. Like oh, yeah. The farmer's daughter who had the hots for Rand, and they talk about the traveling boy, Aram, and it's just super, super cringy. It's really it uncomfortable. I, I totally think it's meant to be comedy, to be like light comedy and to be entertaining. I guess. This, no, no, you're like right. Their, their traveling companions are like bringing up all these other people that they met to embarrass them because, because Rand, I guess, is not supposed to meet women, and, and Egwene is not supposed to meet men as they travel separately. Yeah, and Egwene gets all sniffy, literally, when when he oh, mentions... Right. She sniffs again. Yeah, when he says, oh yeah, I met this chick named Min once, she dresses like a boy and her hair is as short as mine, and Egwene gets all pissed off about it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> right. ah. yeah. 
Wait, yeah. you met a woman? Yeah. You what? talked to a woman? <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, you're Like you said earlier, they're teenagers, so teenagers are stupid. They yeah. could act stupid. I, I guess. I You know, I said that before, but I think this is badly written teenagers, to be perfectly honest. Like, I think this is Robert Jordan being like, teenagers, man, this is how they are. But I don't think I was ever, like, this bad. This, think, is, this seems awfully exaggerated. I think if you were hunted by creatures of the dark and, like, driven away from everything that you knew and, like, there were terrors at every turn, I think you would probably get over it as a teenager. Yeah. You'd be like, okay. This seems very e- forced. Even if you were like, yeah, my, my, my old girlfriend found a new boyfriend or whatever, even if that was actually what happened. You would still be like, well, I'll deal with that later. Yeah. <laughs> because right now the Dark One is invading my dreams, and like sometimes those dreams impact the real world, right. too. It just seems so petty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it is. It, it feels very forced. Mm-hmm. And the pettiness is all coming from Egwene, though, I feel like. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Yeah. No, you, no you're, you're, I mean, like, Rand has, a, Rand is, is a little, he seems a little jealous about Aram, but like, really, it's Egwene, like, every time there is a girl mentioned, at all, she's like... Maybe, like, back in Emmons Field, Randall had, like, a wandering eye. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so Maybe. she has a reputation. Yeah. I, think, I think they always say her voice is neutral or something like that. Egwene's voice is neutral when she talks about it. Yeah, and neutral means you're extremely angry. In yeah. Books. Okay. yeah, if you're a woman, at least. Right. Yeah, I think, I, I think that they should not be... They should not be in a relationship. I think that she is very possessive. I think it would be an abusive relationship. <laughs> I think so. You think her hair should not be in braids yet? She's not mature. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Land mentions that they're being followed, which is pretty crazy because of this place, right? Mm-hmm. It's not much in Shin. It's just somebody's following them. Yeah, I didn't buy this. You didn't and buy it? Maybe we should wait until we, fu- until we talk about who it is. But mm-hmm. I want to talk about the implausibility of this yeah. happening. Yeah, so we, we don't know at this point who it is, but they basically say, well, we don't care. We're running through this place anyway, so we're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they fall off a thing and we're okay, you know? Yeah, and the next day, oh, they can't tell time, by the way, so Lan just tells them, it's time to sleep now. It's time to eat now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which Lan wonder... knows what time it is. <laughs> His <laughs> other sense. He could do anything. <laughs> oh, and, and when Lan mentions that they're being followed, what happens? Uh, well, Matt just fires an arrow off oh, in the darkness. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Come on, dude, really? Freaking Matt. And, like, he's going to do it again. And Land's like, no, dude, stop that. <laughs> we don't even know it's a bad person. Someone's following us. They could be a friend. We don't know. But he's just, like, firing arrows in the dark. Come on. <laughs> Thank God moron. he doesn't have a gun. I know, right? <laughs> Start shooting off into the darkness. Pop, pop, pop. Oh, that's right. I was just, like, you know, seeing if there's something there. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, uh, the next day, as they travel along, they find a bunch of trollic corpses. Oh, it's like, creepy. Really creepy. They're, they're, they're like sunk into the rock. Like of the... the rock bubbled around them and they sunk down in it. And they, yeah, they, they, and they died in like horrible agony screaming. And some of them are, you know, sunk all the way into the, into the rock. And that's why, uh, and that's, that's because the ways were, they have traps for trollics. They were made by people that did not like trollics. And so they have traps for, for, Evil things. That's but interesting. They, but they learn because they find all these Trolloc corpses. That's how Trollocs have been moving around so fast without anybody noticing them. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And it's interesting to to note that even though the Trollocs have been using this, and even though the ways are like corrupted by evil, it's not safe for them to travel that way either. You wonder how many Trollocs have been like just lost because they're being yeah. forced through these like murder, these little murder gauntlets. murder caves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
if you put in 10,000 Trollocs, you know, 7,000 come out the other end. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's worth it. They seem super expendable. They do. Yeah. Absolutely. They must generate like orcs. them. Uh, probably, it's probably pretty horrible where they come from. Mm. Yeah, I was actually kind of like, that. that is something that occurred to me. It's like, he does seem to have a nearly unlimited supply of Trollocs, so there's, they got to have some Trolloc factories up there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, cloning bats or something. Like, I don't know. It's <laughs> far right, future, yeah. right? Stamping them out. Yeah. Uh, and this is... Uh, this what the thing that the darkness on the ways is the third ancient evil that we know about, right? Well, we've got Shudder Logoth, the Dark One, the Dark One, Shudder Logoth, and Mushin Shin. Right. Uh, so this world is just full of it. Yeah, and they and they don't actually seem to be at all related, right? I mean, they're right. They fight each other. Yeah, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, they're not friendly. They're just all you know mm. trying to take and and you know Shudder Logoth is just as much a risk to the world as we learned in the previous chapters. I think Moraine mentions, oh, hey, if this gets loose, the world ends, you know. <laughs> right, Shadar yeah. Lokoth, you wonder, like, you know, good thing Machin Shin is con- contained in the, the waves because that could be a real problem, too. Absolutely. And speaking of which, they start hearing Machin Shin. They can hear the wind. Uh, and that's, it's time to run. They're <laughs> running now for the rest of their trip through the waves. It's like, oh, it's, it's time to go. And Machin Shin, they never see it, but they can hear it. It's like this, this gusting wind. It gets really, really loud. And it's like gibbering obscenities and saying horrible things about like chopping them up and, and tying their skin into braids and stuff. Yeah, stripping the flesh from their flesh. It's a uh, flesh so fine, so fine to tear, to gash the skin, skin to strip, to plait. So nice to plait the strips, so nice, so red, drop the drops that fall. It's just like this yeah. like monologuing about horrible it's mutilation. Horrible, yeah. So this is this is a terrifying thing. Yeah. They race to the next to the last way gate, but the key's not there. Because some douchebag didn't leave the campsite the way he found it. <laughs> right. Take uh, only memories, leave only footprints. <laughs> right, yeah, leave only a Vendasaur leaves. Yeah. So, so other people can get out. <laughs> someone's like, oh, I'm going to keep this Vendasaur leaf as a souvenir. <laughs> <laughs> Dicks. Yeah. They, but they make it out because Moraine cuts their way out using her, her magic fire from her stick. Which is interesting because doesn't she spend a lot of time talking about how the waygates are like nearly invulnerable? Yeah, that, that doesn't quite gel. If it's nearly invulnerable... She can just burn her way through one? Yeah, I mean, they, they mentioned that uh, the way that the Trollocs got around was the, the, the gates. And there's still a gate in Minetherin, which was obliterated by, uh, what was it? The, yeah, the, 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 the queen of Minetherin after the fall of her... Right, yeah, the, whatever the whatever thing that caused the stones to melt so there's no more city anymore. So that melted the city, but it didn't destroy the way gate. But yeah. here she is, just cutting right through that thing. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a disconnect. But she cuts her way out. It's interesting to note that her fire, which used to be clean fire, is like oily and black and, and crappy in the ways. Yeah, it creates like dark so smoke. So even the, even the female half of the one power is, is crappy in the ways. Yeah, she mentions that she doesn't want to use her power at all in there because it's like oil on everything that yeah. she touches. And they manage to get out because uh, she cuts her way through and lands, uses his horse, Mandar, which means blade in the old time, <laughs> to, to push his way through the broken... Uh, rocks. Yeah, he does like a shoulder tackle with his horse. Yeah, <laughs> she could just. This is what you say to the horse to make it shoulder tackle the brick wall. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah, they get out, uh, and the wind can't follow them, which apparently Moraine didn't realize that. <laughs> she wasn't sure. She's like, she's like good thing. Okay, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Because that'd be real bad. Yeah, and they're, here they are, in the other side of the ways, near Faldara. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, good times. Good trip. You know, I mean, like, all things considered, that went pretty well. Because, I mean, like, everyone else who comes out of the ways, other than the Trollocs, apparently, comes out, like, mad, right? I mean, like, yeah. every other person that they ever talked to who's been in the ways 
has been insane. So yeah, I mean, you know, all things so that's, considered. Yeah, that's a that's an A plus journey. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? I guess that's what happens when you travel with Tavir and things like work out. <laughs> yeah, right. That's why Loyal's sticking with the Tavir and yeah. like no way. He's like, this is like as long as I'm yeah, in as this. As long as I'm important to your storyline, I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, it's like this, I'm not an, I'm not a nameless NPC anymore. I'm a named NPC. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's got to be a plot point if I die. <laughs> <laughs> so chapter forty six, Faldara. That's we get a map. Did you get a map? Yeah, I got a map. We yeah. got a brand yeah. new map. Yeah. yeah. Which might actually be relevant, unlike that other map that came out and there was like, they were nowhere near it. <laughs> yeah. We actually get to see uh, where they are. Because they're now in Faldara, which is... See, this is, I'm having a little bit of trouble with this because I think the previous map was oriented differently. Did you see... Does yours have a north arrow? Yes, it does. It does. It's not pointing up. Right. Which makes it a little confusing. Yeah, so they're at the almost the far north. They're just below the Mountains of Doom, which has the Blight and Sheol Gol on the other side. Right, not to be confused with Mount Doom, which is spelled without, without an H. Without an H, yeah, yes. Yeah, this has an H in it. And then right, Tarvalon yeah. is kind of south of them. Right, and I think, yeah, right. Yeah, and there's the Dragon Mount. And the Spine of the World is the basically the eastmost boundary of... The lands of yeah, the, that's right. The, visit, right. the mountains of doom are on the north. And we're also near the seven towers, which we've heard a few times in reference to Lan. Oh, you mean Alan Mandragoran, <laughs> the last lord of the seven towers? Yes, that's right, exactly. Yeah. And something else that's interesting is is now that we've we've heard more about the the breaking of the world, the geography is interesting to look at because it's possible these random mountain ranges were were created by. The breaking of the world, which is the men. I think that's true. I think we're looking at a world that was not created by geologic processes like we're used to. Yeah, these these maps have weird mountains and stuff, and those very likely were the result of like a crazy. uh, What do you call a male Isidai? A male Isidai. Oh, (laughs) a crazy Isidai. Yeah. (laughs) A mice Sidai. I don't know. I don't know what to go there. But yeah, it's interesting to look at the geography with that context. So here they are uh, near Faldara, and uh, that means they're in the borderlands. Uh, which means which these are people that fight Trollocs and stuff all the time. So they totally believe in all this stuff. These are rugged Northmen. <laughs> yeah. 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 So this is in Shinar. And uh, they're they're heading to Faldara because uh, that's where Moraine is leading them. And they notice there's no people around. And Wait, so is Shinar separate from Andor? Yes, it's a different country. Okay, okay. We don't know a whole lot about the the countries at this point. So I, I was having trouble keeping that straight. So Yeah, I think it's, this is kind of a... It's more of a city-state kind of time period where it's mostly about what the like the the city and the the lands that the city controls, and there aren't really hard borders right. between the countries. Uh, and the land that's right really in between is kind of you know nobody really controls it or something. It's disputed. We know that Andor is pretty big though because Camelot is the central city, but there's lots of surrounding cities that are all considered part yeah. of Andor. But I believe they've they've leapfrogged Tarvalon at this point. I think Tarvalon is yeah. north or north just. Just, yeah, a little bit to the south. Wait. Oh, of, of Camelin. Right, right. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So they've gone past it, and they're, as they're heading to Faldara, uh, I wanted to note Rand again tries to talk Nynaeve, Egwene, and Loyal out of coming with them on this suicide mission to the Blight. Yeah. Uh, and I think their justifications for coming along with them are a little weak. Well, at this point, Tarvalon is not that far off from where they are, right? Yeah. They could just turn around and go to Tarvalon. If that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, because right. that, that's kind of why they were traveling with them, is because they were going to go be Aes Sedai. Right. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, hey, just go to go to Tarvalon, start your Aes Sedai training. Yeah. You don't have to go into the the pits of hell, essentially, right? The Blight. I don't know. Right. But the they, I guess they're noble or something. They're like, no, we Emmons Fielders stick together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and Loyal just doesn't want to miss it. Yeah. This is going to be great. <laughs> and, you know, he, he knows how this works. He's like, no, named NPCs where it's at. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A member of the party. <laughs> and meanwhile, Lan's at, right at home. Yeah, and this is, yeah, Lan is like... <laughs> We're in land country. <laughs> we are. Yeah, Matt's like, it's so cold. And Lan's like, this is a fine spring. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful today. Yeah. Even though it's driving me crazy, we need to, they need to introduce like a swear jar for Matt because he, I, I should have counted how many times he says blood and bloody ashes in these <laughs> five chapters because it's ridiculous. Which is not the same as the horrible cursing that... Sometimes Rand refers to when women say it. No, Robert Jordan wouldn't even repeat that. Right. Yeah, they were saying something worse. <laughs> Whatever that is, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he's he's been dropping the the B and B A. <laughs> <laughs> dropping the B. I'm kind of down with blood and bloody ashes as as swear words. But he says it cool. over and over and over and over. It yeah. is kind of British swear, isn't it? Bloody, bloody. yeah. Bloody, bloody, bloody ashes. ashes. Yeah. yeah. And they say light a lot. Light. Light. Is that, is that a swear? Uh, in mean, this it's, world, it's like it's a, an exclamation that they they say. I don't know if anybody ever gets mad at somebody for saying light. You know what they say in Faldara? I noticed or peace, peace, yeah, peace! Exclamation point. Yeah, they say it as like a greeting, you know, peace. But they also say it as like an exclamation too. Mm, yeah, that's right. Peace. Yeah. I hope so. You know. Yep. So they get to Faldara, and it's a really badass fortress city where everybody's badass all the time. And they all know Lan, and they call him Daishan, and they cheer for him. Yeah, it's like he, he rides into town, and everyone's like, like, oh, hey, what's up? He's, he's like, like a celebrity. But yeah. he's just like not, you know, keeping it straight, you know? It's very interesting, because this is the first time when Lan and Aes Sedai are actually welcomed somewhere. They're it's treated true. very, they get a very different reception than they've gotten in literally every other place we've visited until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, every, well, every place we've been so far, they've all been... Those places have been kind of blinkered about reality. You know, they don't really believe in Trollocs and Myrdal. They think they're fairy stories. Mm-hmm. And so they don't... They, there's been nobody that... Nowhere that they, these people can go for help. Uh, or that, uh, that our heroes can go for help. Because nobody believes what, what, what's happening to them is real. Mm-hmm. But these places, this place in particular, they seem to have no illusions about anything. Yeah, like for example, um, in Shinar, nobody can have their face hidden inside the town walls. Because it... Could be a halfman. Yeah. So. Yeah. Fades are yeah. no nothing that they're not, are not myths to them. They're mm-hmm. not like mythological creatures. These yeah. Are like so so common that that this is something they need to have like a, a daily regulation about. It's really a good rule. I mean, you know, if you have halfmen running around, yeah. it's like a great way to prevent them from doing their. Thing. I'm just imagining some like council councilmen, you know, <laughs> passing this. That's a great idea. Yeah. Oh, people are all about uh, loyal too. Loyal. Yeah, they really like. They know just who he is. Where in Camelon they thought he was a Trolloc, even though they don't believe in Trollocs, and they chased him around with torches. Mm -hmm. But here they're like, great, Ogier, we love Ogier. Yeah. It's also worth noting that before they get to Faldara, and as they're entering Faldara, all the farms are abandoned, and the Faldara, just like, uh, what was it, Berylon and Camelon, are full of refugees. Yeah. Like there's, they're there's, all in from the farms. Man, yeah, I think this is, they definitely look like a city that expects a battle to happen any time now. Right. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it ever a half-man ever tried to like draw eyes on his <laughs> face. <laughs> or get some of those stick-on googly eyes. Seems fine. <laughs> Let's leave the gate open all night. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my eyes just do this. <laughs> <laughs> Got a Halloween costume. <laughs> So they go, yeah, we go to the fortress and we meet 
a bunch of like badass warriors who all have their their heads shaved, kind of like Japanese samurai. They got top knots. Yeah, they have top knots coming out of the top of their head. Yeah, that's and, right. And the rest of their head is shaved, which is sort of a warrior thing. This this culture is a really interesting kind of mashup of sort of medieval castles and swords culture and Japanese medieval culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's like dual feudalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so they, they their language sounds like Japanese. I can't tell if they're speaking the old tongue or just some other language. Because the only other languages we've run into are the old tongue and the Ojir tongue, I think. I'm super curious because it looks like he kind of created a little bit of a language here, at least some common mm-hmm. phrases. Yeah, it reads a lot like Japanese. It does, it does. Uh, and and we know that it's not... It's not Japanese. Yeah. yeah, and we know it's not the Ozier language because that sounds like birds chirping. Yeah, like, like, like with thunderous birds chirping. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's Ozier. <laughs> they learn from... Uh, yeah, they meet Ingtar, uh, who's, a, I guess, a, a captain or whatever. And they meet Agamar, who's the, the local lord. And they learn that the Trollocs are massing for an attack... At Shinar. And this is why all the people are brought into the keep and all the soldiers are preparing for war. And it's more Trollocs than anybody's ever seen. And so they're going to go try and cut them off at the pass and at Tarwin's Gap. And they try and talk Lan into joining them. Like, they, yeah. they mentioned this a couple times. That's you, why they're so excited to see Lan. If you they're fly like, the golden... What is this? The golden crane. The golden crane, yeah. And he gets super emotional, and he crumples a silver goblet. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he he's, can't. He's too Lan, badass for wine. Because Lan can't go, and, and he wants to ride with these border borderlanders and, and fight with them, but he knows the more important battle is to get to the eye of the world, because that's the, the fate of the whole world is in the gap. Sure. Yeah. Plus, he's sworn to Moraine, and he's got that honor and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But he really, he knows that they're they're in for a tough time. He knows that he could help them, but... Yeah, and so it's, it's a little sad, because, like, Agomar is really excited that both Lan and Moraine, you know, a wizard who can cause earthquakes and fireballs and stuff, are... They, they could up. turn the tide of this this battle, like, single-handedly, yeah. probably. But uh, but they can't help him, because they're, they've got something more important to do. Yep. Yeah, you're right. They, <laughs> I love that scene. He, like... He crumples it, and then a servant comes Can and I like, read wipes it? the wine. I kind of want to read oh, it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Lan peered into his wine. His face did not change, but wine slopped over his hand. The silver goblet crumpled in his grip. A servant took the ruined cup and wiped the warder's hand with cloth. A second put a fresh goblet in his hand while the other was whisked away. Lan did not seem to notice. <laughs> I cannot, he whispered hoarsely. When he raised his head, his blue eyes burned with a fierce light, but his voice was calm again and flat. I mean I love it Some might say it's a little wanky But I find it very interesting You know what We all knew that Lan was really good at crushing things (laughs) Including Silver goblets Silver goblets It's full of wine wine. He just like smashed He's like And like the servant's like this happens enough that the servants know what to do in this situation. <laughs> yeah, they, t- they yeah, take the just cup and load a new cup in there and he just even, doesn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> just, just take it back to the blacksmith. They hammer out the cups again. <laughs> That's some good servants. <laughs> yeah. Well, who are used to dealing with people like Lan, I guess. Yeah, this is very, this whole scene between Lan, everything that Lan and Agomar and Ingtar and all these people do is very like a samurai movie. Uh, which is, I watched a lot of samurai movies, like a Kurosawa movie, and they're very stone-faced, and they they come, they only really react when they're overcome with emotion, and they're it's they're very dutiful and honor-bound, and and it's just like this. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's it's even the decorations and stuff. It's all very sort of like a Japanese, like a classic or a feudal Japanese house with like very simple decorations, and they talk. They have a whole conversation about how 
you know, a single flower placed just so is just as beautiful as like a tapestry. Yeah, that de- that definitely sounded kind of like feudal Japan sort of idea. Yeah, kind of zen. And yeah. then, of course, like Land's poem. <laughs> yeah, at, at dinner, Agomar invites them all to dinner because he's just a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Land has a poem. Can Can I read it? Yeah. The rose petal floats on water. The kingfisher flashes above the pond. Life and beauty swirl in the midst of death. It's like a three-line poem. This is like so... Yeah. 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 Uh, I wonder if Robert Jordan wrote that. I'm sure Probably. he did, right? I mean, I would believe it if he he cribbed it from a, an actual poem. That's possible. I have to Google the phrase and see if it comes up. Is there anything Land can't do? He's a poet. <laughs> yeah, he's poet. a warrior. He's a cup crusher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we learn a little bit more about Land here. Uh, a little bit more of his backstory is that he, basically he's a hero to all these people. Yeah. Uh, which is good. You know, he kind of... Nobody ever really reacts to how badass Lan is, even though he's cartoonishly badass compared to all these other people that he meets. Yeah, and they, they kind of, like, note it, but they're like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I guess that guy's just super badass. But it's, it's because he comes from, like, this kind of place, a, a badass country where they fight all the time. Right. So the dinner is interrupted because a madman has come to the gates of Faldara. Wait, what? A yeah, madman? That's yeah, that's impossible. Yeah. Uh, and he comes, they bring him in, and his horrible ragman, you know, it's very stinky. Uh, but the the Emmons Fielders recognize him. It's Padden Fane. And yeah. Padden Fane is the beggar. Padden Fane is the, the the guy that followed them through the ways. Padden Fane has been following them this whole time. Okay, so let's talk about the impossibility of Padden Fane following them through the ways. Mhm. Because, first of all, he would have had to have known how to get into the ways in the first place. I don't know if he was somehow spying on Moraine. They did close the door out. Them. Yeah, yeah, they did. And so, I don't know how he did that. <laughs> and then he managed to follow them the entire time through this pitch darkness. And then uh, and then he managed to somehow get out when the wind, when they just barely got out past the wind. Mm-hmm. And Moraine had to, like, break their way out. So, this seems very implausible to me. So, my impression is that Paddenfane is no longer, like... Essentially, not human anymore. Like I, I think he's got like a direct connect to the Dark One. Mm-hmm. So like he's got he's the Dark One's protection, maybe protection and like instruction. So he's not like making decisions anymore. He's just like following them like a bloodhound. Yeah. And okay. So yeah. in the scene that follows, he, he there's a weird scene where he speaks with different voices. Yeah, yeah. it's very schizophrenic. Like, like, yeah, he changes into different people. Yeah. And one of those people, I think, is a person we've met before. Paddenfane is clearly, uh, a, you know, a servant of the Dark One, and I think that's how he's been able to make it through these things. And we don't actually know what Machin Shin does to people other than it drives them mad. So if he's already crazy, mm. maybe Machin Shin was just, like, t- saying all these horrible things. He's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, got it. On it. Yeah. <laughs> Plant the flesh. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. <laughs> Chop him right up. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so the dinner is clearly over, and Moraine says... I've got to deal with this. Right, let's, let's, let's have a chat. Yeah. Got to talk to this guy. Yeah. And that's it. That's where we stop. Yeah. Kind of in, in media res here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it for this penultimate episode <laughs> of the Dragon Reread. Uh, next time we're going to cover the, the remainder of the Eye of the World, which is chapters 47 through 53. Yes. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, it's exciting to see how this is all going to end. Uh, I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. And please share us with anybody you'll think will like us and give us good reviews on wherever service you got this from. And 
please like us in real life because we want you to like us. We're very likable. We're doing this. Super likable. Uh, until next time. The, the light, light illumined you. you.